All right, it is the week of April 23rd, 2023, and this is the Fight Business Podcast. I'm your host, Patrick OJ, and today we've got some important topics to cover, including the potential Bellator sale. Talks are starting to heat up, according to Dave Meltzer's Wrestling Observer Newsletter. I'll tell you what I've heard, where I think it makes the most sense for the promotion to go, whether that be a media company buying it or possibly merging with another promotion, and we'll really discuss the ins and outs of this from a business perspective hot off the heels of a fantastic Bellator 295 event. Then we're going to talk about the Zufa antitrust lawsuit. We do have an update in that case. It is not the greatest update, but it's an important one. And again, highlights this whole process in terms of getting this case to just be class certified, not even go to court, just get the class certification. Then we're going to do our quick hit segment. And finally, we're going to talk about the show win money structure. Following Bobby Green's outburst from UFC Vegas 71, we need to talk about it and specifically why I don't think it's going to change anytime soon. With that in mind, timestamps at the bottom as always, and let's go ahead and dive right in. All right, first up, let's talk about Bellator being for sale. So according to Dave Meltzer in the Wrestler Observer Newsletter, talks have heated up, um, getting more serious as of late. It's been known for a while, Paramount's been chopping this around. If you follow this podcast, you know I've mentioned this before, as well as if you listen to Ariel Hawani, he mentioned this several months back. At first, it was more of just a rumor, kind of like a, this is what I'm hearing, but not a lot more to it. Now, it seems to be pretty pretty far along in terms of talks progressing and continuing to progress. From what I've heard, it's not necessarily going to happen next week, but um, you know, it, it's moving along. It's it, it is more serious than just, hey, we're throwing it out there and you've got a couple nibbles or bites or kind of PR responses. Um, so we'll see what happens there. In terms of the potential suitors, um, everything I'm hearing is what others are hearing as well, uh, which is that most of the potential suitors are ones that recently said they were not going to go after WWE. Now, it's important to know Endeavor stated, right? that they weren't necessarily looking to buy WWE. And then here they are with a reverse Morris trust to make that happen. So you never know, but um, you know, some of the potential bidders or at least original bidders for WWE were that were talked about were Comcast, um, uh, Liberty media endeavor, obviously, which came to fruition Saudi Arabia fund. And I haven't heard that with Bellator. Um, it's possible, but I haven't heard that. Um, but, but some bigger media companies, right? Um, in terms of what makes the most sense with this, that's a tough question, right? Especially with WWE and the UFC merging into one company, which should be finalized at the end of this year. You've got to look at the overall dynamics in the industry and and how they're kind of changing, right? It's no longer becoming just about putting out a great product or a profitable product. It's also about how can that be monetized in a streaming environment? That's where we've been headed for a while, but now that's really picked up in terms of the focus. I have talked on here, you know, the past couple months about how the overall economic environment is shifting and kind of 
looming into this maybe recession, maybe stagflation era of it's it's very strange, right? COVID really messed stuff up. What was done with um, quantitative tightening by the Federal Reserve led to you know rampant inflation. All all this, I mean, it, it's it's been a very weird time, right? Like you've seen a lot of tech layoffs if you're in the tech sector or other layoffs in other places, but jobs are still widely open. I think that's partially because of, I mean, and this is all pertinent just to the US, obviously. Um, I think that's partially because of, you know, people being out of work due to long COVID or, you know, people dying from COVID, which, you know, at least over a million people have died in the US. That's going to affect your workforce. A lot of people who are near retirement took early retirement because they didn't want to catch the disease or risk their health. Um, It's left this weird cycle of an overall economic environment, and it's still going on. And that's affected the bottom line of a lot of companies, right? Um, While a lot of companies have made huge profits with, you know, not only inflation, but then them actually raising prices to make more profit because demand was higher. um, That's been great. But especially in the media realm, and I'm not an expert in this industry or sector. So, you know, take this with a slight grain of salt, although I have seen similar case studies and consulting. Um, This is a scenario where you have a shift in the industry going on during a perceived economic downturn, right? And that's never great. Be one thing if this shift to streaming was happening in 2014, 2015, where, you know, we rode that bull market up until COVID, right? And that's a whole different environment. Instead, we are seeing the effects of, okay, We've been pumping a lot of money into these streaming services. They are not making the returns we want, but our digital, or or I'm sorry, our, um, you know, traditional methods of delivery like cable and, you know, traditional pay-per-view are not doing well either, right? It's, it's, It's that decline and rise at the same time of, a a huge shift that will forever impact the industry. Eventually, we'll get to a point where cable is a relic of the past. I don't know when, but I mean, it's going to probably go away and everything is just going to be streaming, right? That's kind of where it seems we're headed. Because this economic downturn has now come in the middle of this, losses that were acceptable up to a point are no longer acceptable to investors and to other board members, et cetera. And that's really where you're seeing, you know, a a big shift in media overall. Bellator is profitable, right? It's not the most profitable enterprise by any means, but it, at least as far as we know, up until COVID, which I think they still remain profitable throughout that, right? Um, I, I don't believe they took such a huge downturn or something happened that all of a sudden they're not profitable anymore. Um, but, you know, they're a profitable entity. But given all the mergers and acquisitions happening, right? Viacom, CBS, um, WWE and UFC. I mean, this is an environment where deals are trying to be made 
while there's still an appetite for them is is my take on this right i said this before you know i thought the wwe deal was a lot driven by the fact that as you know rights fees have gone up and up and up just like everything else it's gonna pop at some point right it's a bit of a bubble in some ways or at least stagnate even if it's not a bubble it's gonna flatten out and so this is kind of the last like let's let's get a deal done i don't think it's that much coincidence at all that paramount was shopping around bellator around the same time that wwe was in talks right that gives media companies who are trying to possibly buy this or conglomerates or you know whoever's trying to look to buy this that gives them you know, a little bit of leverage in discussions like, well, we could do this or we could do this. It gives them options. And so it, it's not shocking at all that a, I mean, WWE got acquired by Endeavor um, and then spun off, but then B that Paramount thinks they can get a solid deal on Bellator, which as Again, Viacom CBS goes through their restructuring. They're trying to navigate this, you know, change from traditional to streaming, and they're trying to stay relevant while doing so, which is is tough, right? They are not necessarily in the best position for that. They've got a couple of hit shows, right? Yellowstone, um, a couple others that you know have kind of held held up, but you know, markets getting more and more saturated with everybody having their own streaming service, and you know. You're fighting for every consumer dollar. So Bellator doesn't fit their long-term goal, right? Owning a mixed martial arts promotion doesn't exactly look like something you'd necessarily want to do if you're Viacom CBS. They're not trying to be in the live sports world. They're trying to go for more dramas, more scripted television. That's That seems to be more their, their focus. So since... You know, Bellator is, yes, profitable, but doesn't fit their product mix. It only makes sense to spin it off. And yes, you've got Showtime, right, sports and all of that. But I mean, Showtime sports has been diminished. They're going to keep Showtime boxing, I would imagine, sort of. But it's, you know, they just announced about Showtime like going away and, and them doing, you know, Showtime, all this stuff and all merging into the app instead. They're kind of getting rid of Showtime. They're phasing it out in some regards. They'll still have that in, as part of the product mix. I, I think there's enough appetite there, but I wouldn't be shocked if, you know, you know, boxing eventually goes away too. Maybe, maybe not. That's, that's harder to say, but Bellator is a much easier decision, right? Okay, this doesn't fit, fit our product mix. It's not a core tenant of our programming that we've had forever. And when, it, when we have had it, right, we've been showing it on Paramount and all this other stuff, it hasn't been pulling in crazy numbers. So, yes, it might be profitable, but is it worth holding on to? Now let's get some money off of this and help with restructuring elsewhere. Shore up the coffers for the rainy day that's here, almost here, right? It's It's this weird... Call them before the storm or just weird kind of haze that we're going to walk through. I'm not really sure. But um, that all being said, where should Bellator land, right? It's a tough question to answer. We know Endeavor is not going to pick them up, obviously. Um, 
could the KO property technically buy them, right? Like, uh, could this new or TKO, whatever they're called, they don't have a name for the company yet, but it's going to be listed as TKO, which is UFC and WWE. Technically, sure. But I mean, with the new debt they have, it wouldn't make a lot of sense. Um, it, it would only kind of put that new company in a more tenuous position starting out. It would take years, I think, for them to even look at another acquisition like that. Um, so it's not them. Comcast, possibly. Uh, it really, I think, will, you know, they've they've still got the WWE streaming rights, and that's something that's been a huge boon for them. You'd figure they wouldn't want to lose those rights, but if they did, Bellator would be, you know, something they could get behind, but they haven't really done a lot of, again, combat sports. Live sports, yes, they have moved into that realm, right? They're doing baseball. Yeah, I just watched the Phillies today uh, on Peacock, which is okay. So they are trying to move into the live sports realm. That would be something that fits under their umbrella, so maybe for the right price. Um, Liberty Media, maybe. That's That's a... I don't know enough about Liberty Media's inner workings to say whether it's good or not, but I don't know that necessarily wouldn't be a terrible choice, I guess I'll, I'll put it that way, but it, it's not something where it really fits fits in my opinion, but could be, um, you know, it, it's uh, they've, they've been linked to a couple of places. Uh, WWE was the latest, but I mean, they clearly want to get into the live sports arena. That's a way for them to do that um, a little bit more, but uh, you know, I don't know about that one. Um, ESPN Disney, that's been asked by a couple people. Remember, Disney passed on the UFC. They didn't think it made sense with their branding. Um, Bob Iger passed on that, who was CEO left and now is CEO again. But by all accounts, it seems like it was probably a mistake, right? They ended up having to pay the UFC way more for rights deals and Endeavor way more for rights deals than if they had just purchased the UFC or have really made a bid to purchase the UFC. So possibly, right, they could pick up Bellator. Um, an option is to, you know, much like they, they've done with PFL, kind of pick up Bellator and then build around that. And maybe, I mean, maybe they drop PFL then, right? Like, have Bellator be the second league on ESPN. That could be, especially if they owned it outright, could have some advantages. But then again, it's not like ESPN is paying PFL, you know, a crazy amount of money. So you'd have to look at returns. They'd probably look and see what PFL is doing um, ratings wise. And then viewership wise on the ESPN plus app, they'd, do some estimates on whether or not Bellator would at least match or beat that. I would assume Bellator would beat um, PFL on linear television on the app itself. Yes, but but by how much, I don't know. And that's just because Bellator has been around longer. They have some bigger names, right? Some bigger UFC guys, some guys that they've kind of cultivated on their own. It wouldn't necessarily be a conflict of interest, right? To have both UFC and, and Bellator, that doesn't matter from a media rights perspective. But um, at the same time, I would imagine 
if you're going to have a contentious relationship with the UFC in another org, that's probably the most contentious. Still, I I don't know. It, it's, it's possible, but do you really want to spend however much they're asking for, which I'm assuming is, you know, in the range of, of tens of millions of dollars. That's what I would guess. Um, do you want to spend that on Bellator? It's tough over just, you know, a couple million here and there for PFL's media rights deal over the long term, maybe. But I mean, then you're again, still on the hook for keeping profitability and organizing that and all of that. So it's, it's, it's more palatable than the UFC. I'll say that because it's not such a huge expense, right? Um, but is it going to get the ROI they want? Because remember, every acquisition, every investment, it's all about ROI. What's your return on investment, right? Um, what is the amount of money you get back after putting your money forward? And how long are you going to take to get that investment, right? Does it do anyone any good if you're going to get 100, 200% investment, but it takes 10 years, 15, 20 years to get it? Well, but by the time inflation's gone up, or especially if it's the past couple of years, no, <laughs> you know, that would be a terrible call. Um, but, you know, it, it's, it's certainly one of the better options, I think, for Bellator. If you're going with a media company, ESPN does make sense to a degree, right? I mean, think about it this way. So let's say they buy Bellator and then you have UFC, PFL, and Bellator all under the home of ESPN. It's now your new combat sports hub. It's not a terrible call because it gets more people to consume more content on the app, which is what they want to do, right? The more... Somebody is on the app and consuming content, the more likely they're going to continue to pay for it, especially with substantial price increases, which ESPN Plus is now going through. So while you're not necessarily getting a ton of new subscribers, you are keeping the current subscribers staying on and you're able to raise prices, right? That's also part of the name of the game of streaming. We're not done with price raising, by the way. I know... When you look at how much UFC pay-per-views have gone up, when they're asking more for ESPN Plus app, all this stuff. I mean, uh, you know, I think mine, my yearly subscription for ESPN Plus jumped almost 50%. Like, I mean, it's crazy, but they're going to keep doing it because that's their whole plan to profitability, right? They can't sustain these losses that they've been sustaining as much anymore. And so something like Bellator shoring up the combat sports archive and and you know hub that's not a bad call i think it makes a ton of sense and doesn't necessarily hurt disney's brand at this point because they've been fine you know showing pfl and ufc on espn and bellator doesn't have a ton of controversies that you're gonna see in the ufc either right you don't have the Dana White personality at Bellator. You have Scott Coker, who's much more reserved, stays out of the limelight for the most part. You know, there's not a ton of scandals and controversy that then could roll all the way back up to Disney, where, you know, in some ways, Disney dodged some 
bullets with you know things that the UFC has done, especially over the past couple of years, right? So not a a terrible call all around. Um, something was suggested by my uh, my good friend JHK. If you don't follow John, you need to. Um, but did a podcast with him earlier today, and. You know, he was saying, what about like if another promotion absorbed Bellator, if PFL or one championship or something? And it, you know, I thought about it for a while in terms of what would be best. Uh, realistically, it would be hard, right? Both of those companies are backed by private investors. Uh, they are not profitable companies. The only other profitable company in the MMA space at the large level, that is, um, other than the UFC is Bellator. Everyone else is still very much in the red. They're making strides to get in the black, but they are nowhere near there yet. Um, so this would be another bigger investment to add to the arsenal, which again is not uncommon in this kind of startup MA type world. But with again the current economic environment, it would be a pretty pill, pretty bitter pill to swallow to do that, especially when. You haven't turned your first product profitable and you'd be acquiring another very similar product, right? One thing, if you're diversifying the portfolio or doing something that has synergies in a way that's, you know, synergies in a way that's like horizontal integration, it, it's, well, I don't know if I want to say horizontal integration, but vertical is a better Anyway, sorry, it's late. Uh, but something that, you know, complements each other, but is it in the same space is what I'm trying to get at. If, let's say, PFL, right, buys Bellator. The, the investors, they raise the money, they go ahead and, and they buy Bellator. Well, that doesn't work super well given the format, right? Because PFL is all about the tournament meritocracy, Bellator has been running tournaments, so they could just continue running tournaments. And then you could have more showcasing fights, I guess. Um, you could do a like PFL versus Bellator tournament, right? I'm sure that would be cool and get combat sports fans excited. But after the first couple times you do that, it's just a bigger tournament or, uh, you know, a, a different style. I mean, I guess you could do like an East versus West thing, right? Where you have PFL tournament and then Bellator tournament and then the champions face off head to head or something that could be cool, but it's, there's not a lot of new synergies taken out of that, right? Not a lot of new product or, or something that all of a sudden both were okay at now together. They're just killing it. Uh, it, it really just, especially given Bellator is already doing a lot of tournaments. It really just kind of brings in another league to have a tournament with. So I'm not sure that would make the most sense. One championship, same thing, right? Like, okay, let's take the tournaments out of the way. You've got, you know, some crossover here and there, but it's from a company perspective, what new products or services or existing products and services can you leverage now where you become far better from this deal? Are there any? I mean, I guess with Bellator and one merging, you would have a better um, 
better presence in the US, which one has been wanting to do, right? They're doing their first show in May. So yeah, that could work. But other than that logistical aspect, what else is is really gonna gonna show up there, right? Um, you know, front office, you would you wouldn't have a necessarily a lot of redundancies. You'd have some, but you know, it's not like you'd be slashing a ton of staff because they're all the same. They're mostly just buying another company and having that company under your umbrella. It doesn't give them a huge foothold in the U S because while Bellator does have a solid, you know, relationship with certain areas in the U S it's not like they're, you know, um, got a major, major presence and, and given one's rule set, you still have to have that, adjusted per state so a lot of places where bellator is currently hosting shows one couldn't host unless those commissions adopted one's rule set right so so you see the kind of issue with buying bellator another mma promotion doing it is it just really adds more fighters for the most part that's that's your greatest asset you're acquiring and bellator does have a great list of fighters right like some very we just saw Patchy Mix, um, Nemkov is a great pickup. Yeah, you've got Pitbull, uh, McKee. You've, you've got names, so that's not terrible to pick up those assets. But is it worth th- that cost? Because unlike when the UFC purchased Strike Force, right, and and uh, Pride and all that, like at that time. Strike Force and the UFC and, and Pride were all kind of on more equal footing. And while you know one was a leader in this or that, none was so far ahead that they were uncatchable. At this point, you could combine Ryzen, Bellator, PFL, One, and whatever other league you want, right? And you're still going to be miles and miles and miles and miles behind the UFC in terms of competitive advantage. It would help if you all combined, I guess, in terms of if you had that stacked a roster, right? But it, but it's also would it be so big, it'd be kind of unsustainable. I mean, it's it's the UFC has won the branding war. We've talked about this. It's not really up for debate at this point. So merging with another org, you know, it's one thing if it's a, if it's a feeder league, right? If we've got some league that is just pumping out prospects for whatever reason, it seems to be able to just pump out champion after champion after champion. Um, sure. You could have, you know, another promotion by that promotion. I mean, we've we've seen that in, in not purchasing it, but doing deals, through UFC Fight Pass, right? Where UFC went to LFA and said, okay, we're going to do UFC Fight Pass. Uh, They've put a bunch of different things on UFC Fight Pass to kind of bring it under its umbrella without actually purchasing it and, you know, giving it autonomy. But then, hey, you buy Fight Pass for all these different things and that all, again, rolls up to the UFC and and make those deals, right? Um, But that isn't the case. With, With another promotion buying Bellator, even if the UFC bought Bellator, right? Great, you get 
those Bellator champions inserted into the UFC mix, which makes some of those divisions even more stacked than they are now, it would probably make the fight night cards much, much better than they currently are in terms of filling them out with depth. But they come with higher contract costs, which the UFC doesn't want. The UFC could have could have had all, most of them, probably. They could have eaten into their profit margins enough to have the majority of the best fighters in the world. Not based on their antitrust tactics uh, that, you know, the lawsuit's currently fighting, but simply at this point, they could probably do it if they wanted because they could offer them more money than anywhere else and better, but they could offer better benefits, all that stuff. But they don't want that. They specifically shifted around and shifted their strategy to being less about controlling the majority and that scarcity of fighters. If anything, they want some really good fighters elsewhere to get paid so that they can fight off the antitrust lawsuit, right? So I don't think Bellator will get absorbed by another promotion. I don't think it's the right call. I think the best bet for them, what would make the most sense, in my opinion, would be for them to be bought by Disney. That would be my ideal landing place for them. Just because you would get a combat sports hub, right? Um, even if the UFC ends up renewing somewhere else, it gives Disney and ESPN Plus um, more content, which ESPN Plus desperately needs right now. And since so many of their subscribers were driven by the UFC, shoring up their combat sports uh, offerings is not a bad call at all, just because it could, you know, it, if if the rights, if UFC goes elsewhere, right, you want to keep as many of those fans as you can. A good way to keep the hardcore fans would be to have Bellator and PFL on the same app. So I think that makes sense from that perspective. Um, and I think Bellator, you know, it's probably a solid deal, right? You And it, it gives Bellator a big bump because now they're on ESPN. Now some of their guys become more well-known. Um, now it becomes more of a like, okay, like we've got more visibility that should hypothetically lead to more sponsorships and lead to better deals, right? Like that's that's what's happened with PFL is you have to get your foot in the door with a bigger broadcast company first and then advertisers will take notice sponsorship will start to come in more and more people will see it etc cetera, etc cetera. Um, amazon is a potential option as well i didn't mention that earlier but we know amazon has an appetite for this stuff that's why they've uh done the one championship deal we know the terms of that deal aren't the best but it has boosted one championships visibility right and you know that's never a bad thing Bringing Bellator along is another way to do that as well, right? Like Amazon Prime is a well-known streaming service that many people have simply because they want Amazon Prime delivery. So take all of that into account. Uh, I mean, it's not a terrible deal. I don't think they'd get as good an offer as ESPN Disney, but Amazon is hurting a little bit more uh, with some of their layoffs and, and some of the slowdown post-pandemic. Shoring up their prime offerings is something that they're looking to do, seemingly, at least from what I've seen and heard. So 
that's not a bad call either. I think those are the two best options. Uh, will it get sold? I don't know. I mean, that's a that's a possibility that it just doesn't get sold because the appetite isn't there. It's not the most appealing time to buy Bellator, and Bellator is you know not the market leader. They are number two, at least in terms of profitability. And certain metrics, it may be that they've fallen farther than two. You don't know, right? So I at this point, I feel like it's not a sure thing. But if talks are progressing seriously, then my guess is it will happen. I don't know that it's going to happen next week like the last time I did this. But uh, I wouldn't be shocked if it happens if it's going to happen, I wouldn't be shocked if it happens in the next couple months, just because if the economic climate continues to worsen and it hits a certain point, then, you know, then Bellator is going to have a real hard time being sold. Paramount's going to have to negotiate pretty hard. It's going to be a whole thing, depending on who the buyer is, though. I mean, you never know. You never know. Maybe Saudi investment fund comes out and, you know, they've got money for days. Uh, we've seen the Qatar investment fund with one. Uh, there's, yeah, there there are are certainly potential buyers that are recession proof, but if you're looking at some of these bigger media companies, a little bit harder. So that's what I think is going to happen. That's where I think Bellator should end up is at ESPN or Amazon as a close second. Let me know how you feel about it. Let me know if you're going to be upset if Bellator is gone from the Paramount Plus app. Um, let me know if you think Bellator should be sold at a higher price or look for other bidders or should it be merged with another promotion? Am I wrong here? Let me, I'd, I'd love to know your thoughts on all this because it's an interesting time in the combat sports world. That is for sure. All right. Next up, we're going to talk about an update in the Zufa, which UFC antitrust lawsuit. That's what we've been calling it. Right. But it's technically Lee versus Zufa. Um, we do have an update. It's not a great one. So the defendants have filed a motion to take under consideration the appeal in Carr versus Google regarding Singer's means of determining uh, class membership. That is a fancy way of saying that the UFC has asked the judge to wait on his class certification and instead wait for this other court case, Carr versus Google, to resolve so that he can use that as precedent. So that, or in case the precedent is set there, right? Um, the, the plaintiffs have said, nope, we, you know, don't want that to happen. Uh, please don't let that happen. It's been so long. It's been five years just trying to get this class certification. We need an answer now. This is similar to when Judge Bulware waited or wanted to wait, um, given the appeal of the Tuna case. I forget the name of it. It's it's. Uh, this has been so long in between updates. <laughs> it's insane. <laughs> um, you know, I remember being on the call prior to the pandemic 
about Judge Bulware possibly making his decision. And he didn't end up making a decision, but it looked like it was going to happen. And that was right before the pandemic hit. Um, yeah, it's just a wild time. So, um, still waiting on class certification. If this does happen, I'm, that's just going to extend this out even longer. Um, this is unfortunately the American legal system, right? We've we've been covering this on this show uh, for you know over a year, where we've had updates of pretty much nothing, and then prior to that. We've had bigger updates, right? But man, it's it's just it's wild. It's just a wild, wild time. Um, I I cannot understand. I mean, shout out to John Nash, Paul Gift, and Jason Cruz for sticking with this as long as they have, because they must be tearing their hair out every time something like this happens. It's been so long, and and this again, just highlights how hard it is to file a lawsuit against, you know, a well-known company. Imagine if this lawsuit, you know, is filed, I believe it was 20, when was this originally filed? Uh, Man, I forget, to be honest. Uh, But imagine this is filed and, what is it, 2014? I think something like that. Sounds right. 2014, 2015 or something like that. Yeah. Um, I mean, I'm hatching. Yeah. Yeah. December of, of 2014. Imagine if this decision is made in 2014, right? And let's say it is ruled in favor of the plaintiffs. It is determined it's, you know, Sufa has broken antitrust laws. They have to pay out a bunch of stuff. UFC might be gone. The contract stipulations are humongous regardless. And Endeavor probably never buys the UFC. It, it probably changes the trajectory of the entire industry, to be honest. It definitely changes the trajectory of the largest player in the industry, for sure. I mean, it's nuts. If that gets resolved in 2014, even 2015, right? Could change everything. Instead, it's been almost a decade. And we're just looking for class certification. If Bullware grants this decision, that means we'll have to wait for the appeal. It will be even longer. Um, again, I, I've mentioned this a couple of times when we have had updates in the UFC case, right? Um, when, uh, you know... It seemed that the UFC was going to be lose in terms of of class certification, uh, which doesn't mean trial, but just that it looked like Judge Bulware it indicated pretty much pretty much indicated every way he possibly could he was going to certify the class. Instead, we are, you know. Yeah, yeah, but I, I said originally when that happened that this was going to be drawn out. 
that, okay, it gets class certified. Great. It's a small win, but you still have to go through several other steps. You don't even get anywhere near trial. It will be appealed. It has to go to the appeals course, blah, blah, blah. We're not even to the appeals yet. We haven't, we still don't have an official determination on class certification. So because of that, I mean, this process, you know, again, I'm, I am going to start taking bets about if this is resolved in my lifetime, because it's very possible it won't be. Um, it's nuts. But yeah, it's those of you waiting for the antitrust lawsuit to do something, those that have said, oh, it could make a huge splash. Technically, maybe it could, but I mean, the longer it takes, the less impact probably will make right because as the ufc grows bigger and bigger especially now with this new company um it's going to become harder and harder to make a real impact or dent biggest thing they could do is somehow get the contract limits changed so it's only a year or two and then that does change the game drastically but as we've seen and this is again what the ufc has thought about and the strategy that we're moving toward is UFC is the brand, right? They've won the brand war pretty much far and away. And so they've been letting go of far more fighters that, you know, could be champions in their org or challenge their champions in their org. And instead they're doing Dana White contender series and they just keep recruiting that way. And because they're the the league and they're still the league it's gonna be harder and harder for this to actually make a difference it's just is what it is if contracts are changed that's the biggest way right if all of a sudden john jones only has to fight for a year and then he can go fight for anybody else right francis and ganu gets to walk away and and we've seen francis have trouble trying to make the money that he was making in the UFC other places, but there are other champions that might be able to, if there's enough of that hit the market, you never know. Right. But it's especially some of the more or most populous ones, right? Adesanya hits the market, John Jones, Conor McGregor hits the market, right? Changes a lot of things. Um, that being said, it, it's becoming, less likely it will impact things, which is unfortunate in some ways. Um, just from a business perspective, it would have been cool to see, but uh, to see how it all played out, that is. I'm not actively rooting for the downfall of the UFC or anything. I very much enjoy watching it, obviously. But um, yeah, it, it's, it's, it's a disappointing development in this antitrust lawsuit case. Uh, hopefully... Bullware ignores it and denies the motion certifying the class soon just so we can move this along. But it could be another long, long while. Let me know if you still even care about this case because I'm curious as to how many people remember it exists. Um, you know, I know the show money guys are always talking about it. Uh, I see a couple updates here and there, but it's pretty much fallen off the radar compared to where it was even just a couple years ago where everybody was talking about it. Again, I think that's because of some of the bigger changes and the the switches uh, that the UFC has made in strategy, as well as just, you know, the conglomerate aspect of Endeavor and all that. But yeah, let me know uh, your thoughts on it. It's disappointing, but what are you going to do? All right. Now we're moving on to quick hits. Only a couple this week, uh, but some interesting ones. 
first off, uh, UFC Kansas City did 1.22 million viewers, was number fourth in cable overall. Uh, not this past Saturday, the Saturday before. That's some pretty good numbers. That's some really good numbers, actually. Uh, again, card wasn't the absolute strongest, but he had a really good main event that was intriguing. Um, I think it just goes to show kind of how much UFC has grown, especially on ESPN, right? Um, being on the, the Primo or sports network is going to help your brand. I know Fox was a big deal um, and definitely helped grow the brand from where they were before, but this is a... a Better home, I think, in terms of being more sports centric. You know, you didn't have a lot of people wanting to watch The Masked Singer and then uh, go over to UFC, right? Not a lot of overlap there. Um, also, I don't even know if Masked Singer is the right show, but you know what I'm saying, right? So, ESPN has clearly done good things for the UFC. And, you know, it show, shows the drawing power of Holloway, probably. Not to say it. Sorry, um, not to say Allen isn't, uh, you know, intriguing in his own right and have a lot of fans, but I mean, I think Holloway's reputation has certainly followed him with his exciting fights, right, and his style. I, I think it's it's really, really showed just how much of a mover he is. He's not going to break records, right, or or be a huge pay per view draw necessarily, but he is someone that even casual sports viewers want to check in and see. So that would be my conclusion from all of that. Next, we have UFC and COSM, C-O-S-M, I think that's how you say it, are partnering to deliver a dome-like experience that is just very much like the VR experience they tried to roll out not that long ago in the metaverse and all that stuff. Uh, instead, now it's eight, showing UFC fights in 8K um, in these dome-like structures. So Cosm is a, you know, a, a startup. They're building these theaters to watch things in 8K, live sporting events, things of that nature. I, it looks very much just like a real-life VR thing. I'm not sure I care for it personally, right? Like it lets you see from one of the fixed camera angles, so it makes you quote unquote feel like you're there i uh it's fine it's i don't know i'm probably maybe if the you know tickets are not that expensive maybe i'll try it out once but i don't think it's going to be much different from the metaverse thing and i don't know that it's really worth it i mean i guess it's good for the ufc from a business perspective right like i mean that's a deal for them and it's going to get their product out there more for so people who are into that type of tech and experience are going to have the chance to be a first time UFC watcher or, you know, I don't know, extend the brand. I, it's, it's a weird one. Let me know if you're going to go do that. I really want to know if any of you guys are super excited about it. AK is cool. Don't get me wrong, but like being in a weird dome, having it all around you. I don't know. I, I need to hear from people that want to do that. To me, it just sounds like an awful experience, but maybe I'm wrong. Maybe I need to try it. See if you can convince me in the comments to try it because I'm very curious uh, for those of you that are really gung-ho about it. That's all we have for quick hits. Not, not much else to talk about this week. All right, last thing we're going to talk about 
on this week's episode is why show and win money won't change. So if you watch UFC Vegas 71, um, Bobby Green fought Jared Gordon. Was an intriguing fight. I thought Gordon was getting the better of the exchanges, although Green was starting to turn it on. Was 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 a good fight. Made a lot of sense uh, from a booking perspective. Was showing itself to be pretty fun. Uh, and then Green accidentally headbutted Gordon. Gordon goes down. He's hurt. And then Green finishes up. Gets well, almost was a TKO, but then the commission pulled aside. They reviewed it and said, nope, it's accidental. It's now we're not doing that. Um, Paul Felder got real heated, you know, and was was a little bit, I don't know. I, yeah, uh, but um, either way. Gets ruled in no contest. And in the post-fight press conference, Bobby Green gets asked about how he's feeling and he's just pissed he's pissed because he lost his win money right he doesn't get his win money neither does gordon either i mean it's just you know get your show money but you now don't get your win money because of the no contest i mean it sucks and he goes off and says it's bs gordon was defending all this other stuff i should i need my money blah 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 and he just storms out of the conference, press conference right um a lot of people talked about this I'm sure there will be articles written being like, why show and win money needs to go. But let me tell you something, folks. If you are new to the podcast or you are newer to MMA, let's say in the last year, year and a half or something. These articles have been around for decades. Well, maybe not decades, but at least a decade. When I got into MMA media, one of the first articles I saw was why the show slash win money uh, system must be abolished. There's a good chance. I honestly don't remember because at one point I was just churning out articles um, pretty nonstop. There's a good chance I wrote an opinion piece that said show and win money needs to go. I feel like I know multiple media personalities who have written a piece about that, right? Like it's just like, oh, have you done your show and win money should be abolished piece yet? It's almost like a rite of passage. Not really, uh, but... It, it kind of feels that way in some sense. If you're going to be an opinion piece writer uh, for MMA, I'm. it feels like you kind of have to touch on this at some point. Nothing has changed. Nothing has changed at all since I first heard people talk about it and I got into this sport, and I don't believe it will. Not, not any time soon. I'm not sure any time soon is, is the right wording too. I don't I I'm not sure it will ever change. The reason is this. The structure is too lucrative for the UFC, right? It's it cuts down on their fighter costs significantly. You're essentially guaranteeing doubling your fighter costs per event if you get rid of the show win system. Cuz right now, one fighter wins, one fighter loses, right? Um wouldn't exactly double because people are getting paid different, right? But still, like, it it's, would hurt the bottom line in a significant amount. Make the fighters happy, sure. But, I mean, if you're the UFC, right? If you're a business and your employees, even though they're not employees, they're contractors, um, technically, 
have been working a certain way and paid a certain way, companies aren't exactly racing to just be like, you know what? I'm going to give you double your money. Right? Um, uh, so not the best example. Here's a great example, right? Sales, sales incentives, right? If you work in sales, a lot of times if you hit your quarterly goals or you hit whatever, you get a bonus, right? Or you get your a huge amount of money. Not a lot of companies are saying, hey, like, regardless of whether you hit your quota or whatever, we're going to give you your bonus. And it's not about, oh, that means their performance will slack or all that. No, I'm not trying to go down that path of, of discussion because that's not what this is. But it's, it is cost prohibitive for a company to give away money without seeing some sort of ROI. And the ROI is just happier fighters, which is great, but they're still fighting anyway, right? So is it worth it? From the UFC's perspective, I guarantee it's not. Otherwise, they would have done it by now, right? And every so often in a controversial decision or controversial you know, thing or whatever, um, or a like crazy fight, you'll see Dana White go out there and say, you know what, I'm going to give them their money. It's possible after Bobby Green blew up, Dana White gets on the mic at some point and says, no, I mean, you know, Bobby's a legend in this sport. He's been fighting forever, blah, blah, blah. Could totally see that. Could easily, easily see that. Um, who knows? But right now, from the business side, there is zero, zero incentive to change it. On the fighter side, there's plenty of incentive, but there's plenty of incentive for a lot of things. There's plenty of incentives for trying to negotiate some type of longer-term health insurance, right? That isn't just while you're in camp and during the fight. Uh, there's plenty of incentive for trying to negotiate a higher revenue percentage or pay-per-view buys if you're in a main event or a certain position of paper. There, there's, you know, everything that the MMA Fighters Association and uh, all that stuff tried to do at one point or another. Yeah, the union, Project Spearhead, all that stuff. I mean, that's been on the table for a while. The problem is, is that fighters don't seem to want to work together. And part of it is their management, right? There's there's plenty of stuff out there about the way management works and uh, agencies work in um, MMA. It's not exactly the most ethical business, right? Um, not even close. So, I mean, it, it, unless the fighters come together and create an association or form a union or do something there, I mean, this will never change, ever. And uh, it would take a pretty huge event for the UFC to start paying show and win money. A pretty massive, massive event. And I just, don't, I don't see it happening. I, I don't. Could something else come along and trigger it? Maybe, right? Like every empire falls eventually, right? So maybe at some point the UFC slowly does go into decay and decline. And, uh, you know, some other organization rises up, offers better benefits. The UFC offers show and win money to compete. Sure, but that's, I mean... That's so far away, if ever, right? Um, so yeah, I, I I get the sentiment. I understand 
but unless fighters band together, there's no real fixing this, right? Even in the antitrust lawsuit, if that goes through, you need a court to make contract changes to get rid of show and win. And I don't believe that's covered in this at all. I, I that, that wouldn't be a contract change. Limiting the length of terms of contracts. Okay, I guess if those go away, right? So you've only around for a year or two years, you could incentivize people to stick around by giving them their show and win um, to, you know, win an Adesanya from Bellator or someone trying to steal him, right? Hypothetically, yes. But even in those scenarios, as I just talked about earlier, there's there's no comparable league. No league is generating enough money that they can compare right now. And we're not, that says a lot because we're not talking about, you know, somebody that's paying 10, 20 times what you can get in a different organization because they're trying to keep their costs so low. We're, we're talking about organizations just keeping up with the 20% revenue cap that the UFC has. That's that's dropped quite a bit, right? I think it's like 16.6 right now or something. Like it's it's other orgs are having trouble keeping up with that because that's how far ahead the UFC is. So uh you uh, showing when money's not going away. It's not. I'm sorry. From business perspective, there is zero incentive. Never forget. And this applies way outside of MMA to pretty much all capitalist industries, right? If there's no incentive for the business, it's usually deemed bad business. The moral, ethical, all that stuff, it it often doesn't matter. And people will say, well, there's a moral incentive for the business. Well, sure, but if you haven't noticed, that's not really the way. Businesses don't seem to care much about morals, and they seem to get away with it quite a bit sometimes, right? And this is a business that has gotten away with morally questionable things for quite some time. Far worse than show and win. There are only a couple of ways to enact change. And and they're getting increasingly difficult and require a lot of effort on the part of fighters. Effort that they probably will never see the benefits from, right? It would be paying it forward to the next generation. That's what a lot of this work would be too. So we'll see. We'll see if one day they decide to unionize or create an association or do what have you, or the courts finally, you know, Bullware finally grants class certification. And, you know, although that's probably, you know, five decades away, but we'll see what happens. Uh, but yeah, showing when money's not going away pretty much ever. It's It's just not. Let me know your thoughts on that. But I mean, I don't know how much more there is to say, unfortunately, about show and win money. All right, guys, that wraps up another episode of the Fight Business Podcast. Appreciate you guys watching and listening. As always, if you're on YouTube, hit that like, subscribe, bell notification. If you're listening on Stitcher, Spotify, Apple, what have you. Love you guys as always. Appreciate your patience with me. Work has gotten much more crazier so I'm, I'm getting these out as much as i can but still trying to get in that consistent rhythm uh this should be up might be a little bit later but that's not on uh sure dog that's just you know how things go um 
So with that in mind, until next time, y'all, get money. <laughs>